You know, as Americans, we enjoy some of the greatest freedoms on earth. We can vote, which means we have a voice in the government. We, can, we have the freedom to worship here tonight. We can walk through these doors without any fear, knowing that we can express our faith in Jesus Christ without any punitive measure. We have the freedom of speech. Those who founded our country, our nation, they referenced God as not only the source, but the authority for the freedom that they hope to establish. And the Bible speaks often of freedom. In John 8, chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And again in verse 36, he says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Romans chapter 6, verse 18, And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know, clearly it's God's desire for us to be free, to enjoy freedom. And this evening we're going to take a look at a time when God's people were not free, when the people of Israel were enslaved in the land of Egypt. In the beginning of this chapter, uh, beginning of the book of Exodus, we find God's people, the nation of Israel, in the land of Egypt, and they are flourishing. They are flourishing under God's blessing. Literally, they, they came into Egypt as 70 persons, and less than 350 years later, they are what the Bible describes an exceedingly mighty people which filled the land. This, of course, worried Pharaoh because they were beginning to outnumber his people. They were beginning to be stronger than the Egyptians. And Pharaoh became nervous about that and he decided to oppress the people of God. He decided to enslave them. And they continued to grow and flourish. It's interesting that God allowed his people to be enslaved and still blessed them in the middle of that time. Have you ever been in a time in your life where things weren't going the way you would like them to be? And yet, as you ask God to remove that from you, He chooses to bless you in another way instead, in the midst of the storm, if you will. The people of God continued to grow, which caused Pharaoh to become more fearful, and then he decided to to limit their growth by drowning their baby boys in the River Nile. Can you imagine what those mothers were thinking about? Can you imagine how they felt to see the soldiers take the baby from their arms and take it to the river and toss the the poor child in? Can you imagine what the fathers must have been thinking? How helpless they must have felt as their children were destroyed. They cried out to God. They cried out to God for freedom. They cried out to God for relief. And God heard them. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, we read, So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. And then in chapter 3, verse 7, we read, And I have surely seen, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Sometimes we're in the midst of pain and difficulty. Sometimes things are not going our way. And we cry out to God and still the, the circumstances don't change. We cry out to God again and still at the end of our prayer, the circumstances are still the way they are. And we wonder, if, have God, have you heard me? 
God, do you care? God, are you listening? God, do you see this? Have you ever been in one of those situations where you were just wondering if God is seeing this? But you know what comforts me about Exodus chapter 3, verse 7? It says, God is saying, for I know their sorrows. For I know their sorrows. You may be in the midst of something right now that you wish would end. You may be in the midst of something right now that is difficult and challenging and and a trial for you. And you would want it to pass. And you're wondering if God sees this. Ladies and gentlemen, you can take comfort in knowing that God does see it. And that God does know. And that God does understand. And in this case, God was already working a plan for their freedom. A man named Moses was going to be raised up and commissioned. He was going to meet God at a burning bush. And that commission was going to scare him. And it was going to frighten him. He was going to try to back away from it. But God told him, this is what I want you to do. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I just need you to do this for me. And sometimes we like to say to, about Moses, you know, if, if I was standing at a burning bush, maybe I would have had more faith. If I was standing there watching, um, listening to the voice of God, maybe I would have been more ready to do what God had to say. And I think to myself, If God told me to stand up in front of the most powerful ruler on earth with one of the biggest armies on earth and tell him to let the people go, I might have been shaking in my boots too. How about you? That would have been a tough assignment for me. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? Freedom, as we begin to walk into freedom, can seem frightening to us. It can seem difficult. But God told Moses he would be with them in their journey of freedom. God told the people of Israel he would be with them in their journey of freedom. And God's going to be with you in your journey of freedom. God desires freedom for you. Something I've learned about, not only from reading God's word, but in experience, is that God's plan is not always going to go my way, and it's not always going to happen in my time, but it's always going to be the best. Because God's going to glorify himself when he gets his way. And you know what? It may be a little bit frightening at first, But having a front row seat to watch God glorify himself is not a bad thing. When you get to see God show himself, it is a sight to behold. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, God had a plan for Israel's freedom. And uh, in Exodus chapter 5, we're going to see that first encounter between Moses and Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And then in verse 4 we read, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, Why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. I think Moses and the people of Israel saw that going a different way. What do you think? 
Moses finally got the courage to go and stand before this ruler, this very powerful ruler, and say, the God of heaven has said, you are to let my people go. Everybody got excited about God's plan to to bring freedom into their lives. The slaves were were thinking about finally being free. Moses was thinking about what God had, had said to him about how this was going to take place. People were excited. And then suddenly, it's almost like somebody let air out of the balloon. They were discouraged. They were upset. They were frightened. In verse 20 of Exodus chapter 5, we read, And they came out from Pharaoh, and they met Moses and Aaron, who stood to meet them. And they, stood, and they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh, I speak in your name. He has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. You know, essentially Pharaoh's response to Moses' request to let the people go was don't even think about this God stuff. Don't even think about this business of being free or worshiping your God. And that message, even though it was spoken 3,700 years earlier, we're still hearing it today. Maybe some of you are familiar, you've seen the pictures, maybe through Samaritan's Purse, of these churches in Sudan that have been bombed by a government that is hostile toward Christians. Perhaps you've heard of Pastor Yusuf in Iran, who has been, he's actually been in prison and under death sentence for being a Christian. Yeah, I have a friend, Dr. David Shepard, he's in, he's in India right now, he sent pictures in his last, or a couple updates ago, of people that were beaten for their faith, just trying to share their faith in a train station there in the country they live. Another friend of mine is in India, a seminary buddy of mine, Went Fox. He just sent uh, his update. His wife is having a Bible study right next door with uh, the woman that lives next door. And this woman said, if my husband knew I was reading the Bible, if he knew I was meeting with you, he would be very angry. So even though this... This command of Pharaoh 3,700 years ago, don't even think about this God thing, get back to work. Even though that was spoken 3,700 years ago, it's as fresh as tomorrow's headlines. We're hearing it today. Have you heard it? Have you heard it in your life? Think about this statement. If I say too much about God at my work, I might... It's happening today. It's right here. Just a few weeks earlier, Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A said something about a biblical definition of families. And it caused a media uproar. And four, I think it was four governors of prominent cities in our nation said, if that's what he's going to say, if that's the way he's going to believe, he can't do business in our town. So you see sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, when we want to pursue freedom, when we stand up to say, I want to follow Christ now, the people who might have authority or power in our lives are going to try to knock us back down, try to cause some fear in our lives to get us to stop following our Lord. So what would you do in a situation like that? What have you you done in a situation like that? Does it make you want to back away and, and... and kind of maybe pull back? Does it make you want to stop pursuing freedom? Because what would have happened to the children of Israel if Moses would have said, 
okay, this is going to be too hard. I can't do this. I can't pursue this freedom like, like my God told me to. So we're just going to back away right now. What would have happened to the people of Israel if they would have stopped right there? They would still be slaves. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, the path toward freedom can be a little bumpier or a little more difficult than we would originally wanted it to be. But it's still the path to freedom. If you're following Jesus Christ and the path gets bumpy, just hold on to him harder. If you are following Jesus Christ and somebody comes up and says, stop that right now, just hold on to him harder. You know what Moses did when Pharaoh shut him down? Moses went to God and he prayed. It's a humble prayer. It was an honest prayer. God, I thought you were going to set these people free. And we got shut door down. The door got slammed in our face. What do we do now? Well, here's what God said in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. This isn't your fight. I'm going to win this one. So, the king of Egypt versus the king of kings, round two, was about to begin. Now you'll see what I will do to Pharaoh. In Exodus chapter 7, God turns the river of Nile into blood. Because Pharaoh refuses to respond, in Exodus chapter 8, God causes frogs to swarm out of the river and cover the land. Pharaoh asks Moses to clear away the frogs. Moses prays, the frogs go away. Pharaoh goes back on his word. So in Exodus chapter 8, God brings a plague of lice on all the people and all the livestock. Pharaoh hardens his heart. In Exodus chapter 8 again, plagues of flies cover everything and everyone. And by this time, Pharaoh is willing to offer his first compromise. And we can read about that compromise in Exodus chapter 8, beginning with verse 25. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he will command us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Did you hear the compromise? Moses came to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. This is it. It's all done now. We're done being your slaves. Pharaoh says, you can go and worship, just don't go very far. What Pharaoh was proposing was that they go a few miles out of town set up a church service, worship, but be back to work on Monday morning. You can go out and be religious if you want, but I want you back making bricks for me Monday morning. Is that really freedom? Is that really what God intended for his people? What would have happened if Moses would have bought into this compromise? What would have happened to the people of Israel if Moses would have said, okay, that sounds good to us? They wouldn't be free. They would still be slaves. God didn't send Moses to the king of Egypt so that the, the people of Israel could get a little bit more religious. God sent the people, God sent Moses to Pharaoh so that they could be free, completely free. Pharaoh offered a substitute, a hollow replacement for freedom, hoping 
that they would buy into that and stop asking for the real thing. Ladies and gentlemen, religion and ritual is a hollow substitute for the freedom that God wants for you. The real thing only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship with Christ is characterized by redemption. That cross that's behind me is a symbol of a historical event. But it's not just history. It's, it's my story. Because my name was on his mind when he hung on that cross. My sin on his shoulders when he died on that cross. The blood he shed on that cross is my only hope of heaven. A relationship with Jesus Christ is characterized by redemption. A relationship with Jesus Christ is characterized by peace that passes understanding. Regardless of what my circumstances are, regardless of what my finances are, regardless of what my boss says or my family says or my neighbors are saying, regardless of any of that, I can still have peace. Peace that is based on what was settled in heaven before this world even began. A relationship with Christ is characterized by faith and hope and love and joy. These are the things that God wants for us, not simply religion or ritual. All across this country, ladies and gentlemen, people are sitting in churches side by side. Some are coming to to worship their God and celebrate the relationship they have with Him and give thanks for the joy and the peace they have in their heart. And some are saying, is this all there is? Is this all there is? You know, filling a square, coming to a building, going through a ritual is not... The freedom that God has for you. There's so much more. Those who would say, isn't there more than this? They're right. There is more than this. Because we just sang about it. There is a place where there will be no more tears. No more sorrow. There is a place that we have a hope in. Because of Jesus Christ. We'll live with him for eternity. In a perfect place. There is more than this. But here's the danger. If all you have is religion, if that becomes a substitute for real freedom, and you don't answer that question, is this all there is? You are in danger maybe of stopping to ask that question at all and simply settling for religion, for ritual, rather than relationship. Pharaoh was hoping that the people of Israel would settle for this, go a few miles out of town, have a church service, and come back. Ladies and gentlemen, God has so much more for us than just simply having a get-together. It is such a precious and awesome opportunity to come here and sing and praise God. But it's not because of the paint on the walls. It's not because of the beautiful building. It's not because of the talented voices. It's because of what Jesus has done in our heart that makes this special. It's because of the hope that we have of an eternity, a redemption that we couldn't buy ourselves, that we couldn't make ourselves, and we can't keep. It's because of the love of Jesus Christ that this is meaningful. That's what God has for us. That's the kind of freedom that God wanted for Israel. That's the kind of freedom that God wants for you. Do not settle for a substitute. Do not settle for just mere religion. There is more than this. There is more. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to experience. Moses didn't settle for anything less than unconditional freedom. Well, Pharaoh... Hardened his heart again. So in Exodus chapter 9, God again demonstrates his power. The Egyptian cattle die of disease. Again, God demonstrates his power because Pharaoh hardens his heart. Egyptians experience boils on their skin. Hail destroys the cattle that remain in the field and takes out many of their crops. 
In each of these instances, Pharaoh refuses to relent. So in Exodus chapter 10, God brings a plague of locusts which destroy what's left of the crops that the hail didn't get. After all of this, all this demonstration of God's power, Pharaoh is ready to offer his second compromise. And we can read about that in Exodus chapter 10, beginning with verse 8. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go and serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, Lord, it better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So Pharaoh's second compromise is this. The men can go and worship. The men can follow God. The women and children are going to stay here with me in Egypt. So I want to ask you men, do you think that the enemy wants to take our families? Do you think that's what's going on now? It sounds like Pharaoh wanted to divide families. Is that happening today? Men, do you think that's happening in your family? Does, does the enemy want your kids does the enemy want your marriage? You bet he does. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I have a confession to make. I have a 25-year-old daughter and I have a 20-year-old son. And we raised him in the church. We raised him going to church every day. Faithfully, we would go every week. My kids were in Sunday school. They were in VBS during the summer. They were in WANA when it's available. They were in the Easter program and the Christmas program. And I took advantage of those, um, those teachable moments that you have with your kids at home. And they listened to me preach every single Sunday for 12 years. I thought I had this. I thought I had this. But you know what? In retrospect, if I knew how much the enemy wanted my kids, I would have been so much more diligent at investing in them and taking time to listen to them and hear what their spiritual needs were. And I would have taken more time to pray with them and pray for them. Because now in hindsight, I'm, I'm actually surprised about how much the enemy wanted my kids and what he would throw at them and how early he would throw these things at him. Now I'm not, my kids, I'm not saying this to create guilt or regret. I'm just simply saying, if you still have kids in your house, the enemy wants them. And he never sleeps, but neither does my God. Put your kids on the altar. Put your marriage on the altar. This is serious. This is real. The enemy doesn't want your family to have freedom, but God does. And he's more powerful than any enemy you will face. But fathers... Your kids need to see you worshiping God. They need to see you reading the word. They need to hear you pray for them and with them. Moms, I know that there's dual income families. I know that that's a reality in the, in the world that we live in. Where is the time where you can pray with and for your kids? They need that. Where is the time that you spend together as a couple and pray together and spend time with one another in the presence of God? Your marriage needs that. Here's 3,700 years ago, the enemy is trying to divide families and it's still happening today. 
Do not fall for this compromise. Do not fall for the compromise that you can be free and not take your family with you. You need to hold your family up before God because they need God too. God wants all of us to be free. Your family, your kids, you, all of your family. Well, Pharaoh is uh, not willing, or the people of Israel, Moses is not willing to go with this compromise. If we go, we're all going to go. So after that, a plague of darkness. Uh, God demonstrates his power in a plague of darkness. And Pharaoh offers his final compromise. And we can read that in Exodus chapter 10, verse 24. So then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord only. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. Essentially, Pharaoh's final compromise that he offers is don't take your possessions. You guys can go, but leave your stuff here. Why do you think Pharaoh offered that compromise? Why do you think he told the people of Israel that they could go, but leave your stuff here? Was it because he wanted to plunder them and take their things kind of one last zing before they left the country? Well, maybe, but I think there's maybe more to it than that. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think Pharaoh was counting on the fact that if they left their stuff in Egypt, they wouldn't be gone long. They would be back. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If they left their stuff in Egypt, they might return to get it. You know, it's interesting, as as an individual and as a pastor, I've noticed that our finances seem to be the last holdout, the last last thing that we want to turn over to God. Um, Our possessions are our our checkbook. Um, That's one of the places that... um, you heard me talk about, even now, even uh, 47 years into following, uh, going to church and following God, that it's tough sometimes to leave that to God. I've found that, uh, it's been my experience as an individual and a pastor that, that we all struggle with this. You and I can manage our finances however we want. Maybe you're good at increasing your finances, but there's only one way to be free with your finances, and that's God's way. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and through 34, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I've noticed that the paycheck can be an awful, powerful motivator to... Be quiet about your faith. I've noticed in my jobs when, when it seems like the boss is saying, don't talk about that stuff, there's a, there's a sense that maybe I should be quiet about that. Have you guys experienced that? Have you guys experienced out in your place of employment this, uh, this sort of pressure to be quiet about your faith? I have. And you know what? Ladies and gentlemen, at one point, we're going to have to decide, does God have our finances or does the enemy have them? In order to be free, Jesus needs to have all that we are and all that we have. If we want to walk with him in complete freedom, he needs all that we have. So Pharaoh wanted them to keep their stuff in the land of Egypt. And of course, Moses didn't comply with that compromise. So there was one more demonstration of God's power. It would be the death of the firstborn. And God doesn't take any pleasure in death 
and says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But here's what God did. He offered a protection from that plague. The blood of an innocent lamb was painted on the doorposts of the homes of the people of Israel. And that lamb that gave its life for their freedom became a special meal, a meal called the Passover, a time when they celebrated God's protection from this plague of death. So when Israel finally left the nation of Egypt, when those people, those slaves, walked out free, the lamb was inside of them. And they walked out through a doorway that was marked in the blood of an innocent lamb. Ladies and gentlemen, that lamb was a picture of Jesus Christ and what he would do for you. The only freedom there is, is the blood of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we're asked to compromise. Sometimes we're asked by the enemy. Sometimes we're asked by friends. Sometimes we're asked by people who have authority over us to compromise our faith, to not go all the way and settle for religion, to not go all the way and bring our families with us, to not go all the way and surrender our finances and all that we are and all that we have to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we hear those, those compromises proposed and sometimes we follow those compromises. I'm, I want to hear, if you hear anything tonight, understand this, that you cannot compromise with the enemy about your freedom because he doesn't want you to be free he has a vested interest in keeping you enslaved but Jesus is more powerful and he has defeated the enemy and his blood will set you free I wonder tonight where you stand with Jesus Christ do you know without a doubt, that if you were to perish tonight, if you were to, if life was to end for you tonight, would there be an eternity? Would it just simply be a threshold for you to enter into eternity with Jesus Christ? I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm just trying to ask, do you have it settled? Do you know that you're free? Do you know that it's more than ritual, but it's relationship? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your hope and your peace and your joy? If you do, You can celebrate this tonight and every night. And you can share that with others that need to know. If you do not know for sure, this altar is here where you can come and and speak to me or others. And it would be our privilege to share the truth of Jesus Christ with you tonight. I don't know how to say it strong enough. I want you to be free. And Jesus wants you to be free. I don't know how to say it eloquently enough other than this. The God of heaven, the King of kings, he shed his blood for you to be free. Do not settle. Do not compromise. Do not stop. Do not give up until you've found the freedom that Jesus has for you and only in him. Will you bow with me as we pray? God, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in your word. And more than that, Jesus, we thank you for the reality, the truth that we can be free in you, that your blood was shed for us, and that we can walk out of slavery into freedom. Jesus, I want to pray for those in this room tonight, for all of us, Lord Jesus, that we would know greater and greater knowledge of the love and the peace that you have for us. Lord, 
Have your way with us. Have your way with this church. Stir us, God. Stir us for the lost in our families. Stir us for the neighborhoods and the schools and the places of employment that we, that we go to every day. And we ask these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.